everyone. Welcome back to the Love and Relationships Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Faleda, and it's so great to be together again and chat about all things love, sex, dating, marriage, and singleness. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a licensed professional counselor and author specializing in relationship issues, and I'm here to take your relationship questions as well as to tackle some challenging topics in a really candid and practical way. I've written hundreds of relationship articles across the internet, and my relationship advice blog, truelovedates.com, reaches millions of people with the message of healthy relationships. And that's really what I'm passionate about. You may have noticed lately on my blog and social media that I've been talking a lot about depression. Depression and suicide is a topic that's been in the media lately, but more than that, it's a topic that really hits close to home for me. Six years ago, I was battling depression in my own life. I was a few days postpartum after having had my second child, and I was a complete mess. I was struggling to get through the day. My body, my mind, my spirit felt like they were completely and literally empty. And in complete disclosure, that time in my life had a direct impact on the health of my relationship and my marriage with my husband. Because when you're struggling, your relationships struggle too. And that season in my life lasted for a while. And in in fact, depression has kind of been an on and off journey for me at different times in my life. But I'll tell you this, I've learned so much about the journey of depression over the past decade. And looking back on that experience in my life and my journey with depression since that time, I can honestly say that I'm grateful I'm grateful that I understand what it's like to walk through that darkness because I feel like God has given me the opportunity to use that time in my life to offer hope to others who might be dealing with depression in their own life. So that's exactly what I want to do today. If you're out there listening and you've struggled with depression, I want to offer you some hope and encouragement. But if you're out there and you've never struggled with depression or anxiety, I want you to listen to this podcast because you need to know, you need to be in the know of what it feels like and what it looks like to go through this and how you can help and support people who are going through this, whether they're in your relationships, whether they're in your family, whether they're in your ministry. So today I'm tag teaming this episode with a great friend in ministry and pastor, Jared Wilson. Jared is a husband, a dad, and a pastor at Harvest in California. He's the author of a book called Love is Oxygen, where he chronicles his journey with the suffocating depression that he battled for so much of his life and still does to this day. He started an amazing ministry called Anthem of Hope, where the main message is, it's okay not to be okay. Anthem of Hope offers support and encouragement for anyone battling brokenness, depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicide, and addiction. I'll be honest, my favorite thing about Jared is his openness and honesty about who he is and who he isn't. Over the past few years on social media, I've watched Jared encourage others with authenticity and use his own brokenness to encourage so many people, which is exactly why I cannot wait to introduce you to Jared today. Today, I am thrilled to have Jared Wilson joining us on the show. Hey, Jared, thank you so much for joining. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. 
So, Jared, you were one of the first people that came to my mind when I was brainstorming today's episode because you've been so open about your personal journey with depression. So do you mind talking us through a little bit about your journey and what it's looked like for you? Yeah, for probably like the last 10 years of my life, I mean, depression is something that I've kind of battled against and had to uh, keep you know, in the back of my mind every day that I wake up. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I guess I don't have any other option but to be outspoken and really raw and transparent about it. So when I'm talking about it and I'm sharing about it and I'm really open about it um, with other people for, you know, people on the other side sometimes go like, wow, why are you, you know, it takes them by surprise how yeah, open I am. For sure. But as someone who struggles with it and knows the place that it brought me to, you know, 10 years ago, I have no other option but to be open because that's how I make sure that I'm keeping on top of it uh, and reminding myself that I can, you know, overcome the the lies that depression tells me about myself and so on. So it all it all kind of started my sophomore year of high school. I was playing soccer and uh, snapped my leg in a in a club tournament Mm -hmm. and almost had my leg amputated. And, And any any psychology book that you read Um, that discusses depression or any other type of mental health disorder, a lot of the times it's either, you know, stirred up because of a few things. Number one, it's hereditary. It's part of your family. Number two, uh, a traumatic event. And for me, my traumatic event was this crazy experience of breaking my leg, waking up, having a doctor telling me, you know, I was 30 minutes away from having my leg amputated. Wow. All my dreams of playing professional soccer. I mean, that's what people knew me as. That's what my identity was, you know, grounded in was all gone. Hmm. So I woke up a different Jared than I was the day before. I was no longer Jared, the guy who was athletic and pursuing sports and wanted to be a professional athlete. I was just Jared, some nobody guy that just lost all of his friends, no more practicing every week, didn't have my club team to hang out with, didn't really have a hobby or, or sports I could play anymore. And so because of that, it took me down this deep, dark, scary path you know, to where when I was 19, 20 years old, you know, I'm Googling painless ways to commit suicide, not because I had a terrible life, not because my parents were terrible. All I felt my parents were incredible. My life I felt was incredible, but there was just this void missing. And it basically depression was tricking me into thinking that I didn't belong here anymore. Yeah. And that's exactly it. The lies of depression. And I think sometimes when you go through it, you have a hard time differentiating the lies from the truth because you're so used to hearing those lies that they just start becoming a part of your makeup, a part of how you think, a part of your identity. Um, so I love that you kind of pointed out that they're lies and and the struggle of fighting between lies and truth. I really appreciate that. And were you a believer during that time? Would you, would you have identified as a Christian during that time in your life? Yeah, I mean, I would have identified, but God was definitely in the back seat. You know, I, I guess I could say, like many people, I was a believer. Yeah, I love God, and you know, I went to church on Sunday with my family. But I guess I didn't really, really devour the truths of God in my life. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't really attending church. I guess you couldn't really say I had a church home. I, my life was not mimicking or reflecting that of Jesus. But I still called myself a Christian. Which, at the end of the day, when you know, I was sitting there just you know, wanting to end it all, that's when these flood of emotions began to come into my life about how much God loves me. And Mm. man, there's so much more to life than what you're going through right now. And when's the last time you prayed? And when's the last time you really, you know, remembered that God was right by your side? And even though I remembered those things and I started going to church shortly after and really kind of rededicated my life as a believer, 
um, it didn't change things at the snap of a finger. Um, it didn't take, it didn't take away my depression, but it did give me the strength through Jesus and through the Bible, uh, you know, as a pastor to ignore the lies that depression tells me about myself. And it wasn't for that. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, that's amazing. So fast forward with me a little bit, because you talked about how, you know, you're not necessarily over depression. Depression is this constant struggle. I think for those of us, and I'm one of those people that identify with that, it kind of comes in waves. And sometimes it comes when you're not expecting it. Little waves, bigger waves, different seasons of your life, different things trigger it. What has depression looked like for you um, specifically in your relationship and in your marriage? How has it kind of played out in the dynamic of your relationship with your wife? Yeah, it's interesting because when my wife and I had our first child, that's when kind of my depression hit again. It was really weird. It's not that I wasn't excited to have a kid. It's not that I wasn't excited to be a dad or to be married. That's something I dreamed about since I was like five years old. I remember doing a a paper for, you know, like elementary school or something. And I wrote that my goal or my dream in life or what I aspired to be was a dad and a husband. Like I've always had this idea of wanting to be a dad. And I loved it because, you know, my dad was so great to me. I wanted to be that one day. So it wasn't because I didn't want it. It was just, I guess, life just changed so dramatically. And once again, it was one of those, you know, for the lack of a better term, as uh, psychologists use, like a traumatic event. It was yeah. just a life. It is traumatic. Event. It is traumatic yeah. for some. That's for sure. And I don't mean it in a bad way. It was just a. It was a. It changes it was everything. It a life-altering event. Absolutely. And because of that, my I feel like my mind and my body was just like, "What is going on? Overdrive, abort mission, abort yeah. mission." Yeah. And for the first two, three months of our, or I'll say, first two months of our our son's life, I was really disconnected. Like I didn't want to hold him because I didn't like want to hurt him or I didn't know if he was going to like me. And I was like, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to fail as a parent? It was just those lies, man. It was terrible. Right, right. And so I began to open up about it with my wife and we began to work through it. And for her, she's never been with anyone that had dealt with depression before. So one of the things that we've learned really early on was I am an open book when it comes to my spouse, yeah. as should Everybody, I mean, right. everybody should be an open book to their spouse. I know people say that, but the reality is, is I know a lot of people are like, yeah, my wife and I share everything together. No, you don't. There's like 10 things I can, you know, that you probably haven't shared with your wife. There's today. so many layers. You're either, yeah. You're either afraid to, or you're embarrassed or you don't want to make someone mad. So my wife and I literally have an open book policy where if I'm feeling anything, if she's feeling anything, no matter how hard it might be or how um, scared we are to share it or embarrassed. Like we just share it with each other. So in the very beginning, she'd even be the one to tell you go, man, I didn't know how to deal with it because she took it personally. Right. If I was distant or if I was down because something happened or whatever, she'd go, wow, is there something wrong with me? And I had to encourage her. No, babe, it has nothing to do with you. Like, you know, you're an incredible wife. You're an incredible mother. You're your incredible spouse. And so it took time for her to kind of learn, uh, who Jared was. And now she can call it out in a second. If, I, if I'm having kind of a low day, she'll call it out in a second. She goes, you having a low day today? And I go, yeah, how could you tell? She goes, I could just tell you're not being yourself. But she's there to encourage me and to lift me up and to be there for me. Yeah. Uh, and obviously vice versa. But yeah, as, as a, a married couple and, and in relationships, you have to learn you know, the goods and the bads and the insides of, and outs of, of one another so you know how to be there for each other. Absolutely. And you, you've got to learn how to support each other because like you said, she had never been through it. She'd never been with someone who'd been through it. It's like 
we sometimes go into it expecting people to just automatically know how to handle it. And if you're out there listening and you're you're struggling with depression yourself or you have a spouse that's struggling, I think communication is so key. Even in my relationship with John, you know, when I went through depression, John's the kind of guy who is like Mr. Rogers. Like I, I nicknamed him Mr. Rogers because he's so positive. Like he always sees that the cup is full. Like everything is always yeah. good and rosy. And I'm more of a realist, you know? And when you're a realist and you're depressed, the last thing you need is for someone to always show you the bright side of life and always be in a good mood and always help you with cheerful things. And that's just not what worked for me. So in the beginning of our marriage when I was struggling with this and he would try to come at it with like a positive approach, it actually did more harm than good and, and kind of caused us to distance ourselves from one another because he didn't know how to help me. So for us, it was this process of navigating, talking through it, me identifying what I need. Sometimes when you're depressed, you don't even know what you need. And I think there's so much importance in having that insight of like, okay, what do I need right now? What will help me right now? Do I need space? Do I need to talk? Like the more you know yourself, the more you know what you need and the more you can communicate that to your spouse and they can meet you there. So, you know, over a decade later, we've gotten so good at this dance of learning to support each other through these hard things. But You don't come into marriage with that natural gifting. You've got to communicate about it. So I really appreciate how you and your wife kind of went through that process. So let's talk a little bit about the church. Um, You know, we're all aware of the fact that depression exists within the church. It doesn't discriminate against race or religion or faith or gender. It can hit anyone at any age at any time. And so I think it's really important for us as the church to kind of have an understanding of it and to respond to these issues. So as a pastor, Jared, how do you think the church can best respond to this specific issue of depression? Yeah, I think the best way they can respond to it is honestly. <laughs> it's like, let's let's be honest and open and transparent and let's admit that it's actually a problem. Yeah. Um, I think for so long, much like the topic of sex, which has been taboo for many years in the church and only in the last 20 years or 10 years has become just a normal part of sermons and messages and series. Yeah. Um, I think that mental health needs to be just become a normal thing that we talk about. I think for a long time it was taboo because it was like, oh, well, do we talk about antidepressants and counselors that aren't necessarily pastors? And what if we steer someone in the wrong direction? And what if we said, um, it's just, everyone got so worried about giving the wrong advice that they didn't give any advice. Mm. And because of that, people continued to kill themselves. Yeah. And it's sad because we have, you know, as pastors, we want people to come to church and come to the Bible for wisdom and guidance. But then here's a topic where people are literally coming to you for wisdom and guidance, but no one's giving it to them. And so I'm not going to say that the church anymore is failing at this topic because I've even seen in the last six months to a year, churches go, no, this is something we're going to start talking about now. And this is something that isn't just, you know, affecting a handful of people. Like we all wanted people to think like, this is something that is affecting millions upon millions upon millions of people. I mean, 42,000 Americans die by suicide each year. Right. And then for every suicide, there's 25 people who attempt 117 suicides per day. Like it's just, it's not something we could ignore anymore. And so I think the reality is, is that, and I'm really proud of the local church is while we still have a lot of hurdles to jump and we still have a, um, a lot of miles to go, 
I'm proud of the local church and I'm proud of pastors specifically who are going online and sharing about their stories. And pastors are going, no, this Sunday we're going to address mental health. And we're, I'm not, you know, pastors are going, I'm not afraid to admit that I see a counselor once a month, or I'm not afraid to admit that I take an antidepressant once a day or, or medication for my anxiety or whatever it is. I think, I think people are starting to understand like, Hey, it's okay to be human. It's okay to admit that we all go through stuff because guess what? So does the pastor and so does your congregation. And we have to be able to drop our guards and admit that we all have things in our life that are messy and broken, including pastors, because nobody can relate to a perfect pastor and they don't exist. Right. So pastors can lead out of brokenness and pastors can lead out of the things in their life that are messy. Amen. And not only will it strengthen your church, but people are going to be able to relate to you. They're like, oh my gosh, I can relate to my pastor in a way that I've never thought before. So I think while the church has done a terrible job at handling mental health, you know, uh, in general, the last year and a half, I really feel like people are making an attempt to fix that. And I really do believe it's working. The conversations are happening. You're absolutely right. And I think that's key because depression is one of those illnesses that thrives in darkness. Like it wants to be hidden. It wants to be buried. It wants to be private because that's where it grows and that's where it takes control. And as we bring it to the light, it starts losing its grip. As we bring it to community, it starts losing its grip over our life. And I love what you're saying because I think it starts with the leaders. It starts from the top down, being able to acknowledge that, yeah, we're all struggling. So let's, we might as well talk about it. We might as well support each other. We might as well walk through this journey of healing together. And, and I really appreciate hearing from you as a pastor, your support for counseling and medication, because I think people forget that counseling and medication are just as important as prayer. These things go hand in hand. And, you know, it's interesting. We don't treat other issues like this. Like if if you're standing next to a diabetic having a conversation about their medical issues, you're not going to tell them not to take their insulin and not to go see their, exactly. their, their, their doctor. You know, you're going to say, hey, I'm so glad you're staying healthy. I'm so glad you're doing what you need to do. Whereas with depression... We view it differently, and and we just code it with prayer, and we code it with Bible verses. And I'm not saying those things are not crucial, because as you know, as I know, Jesus is the greatest healer. He gives us motivation and perspective, and He flips everything on its head. But at the same time, He offers us these resources that are going to bring us life and healing, and they all work together. So hearing that from a pastor just gives me so much encouragement in this subject. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, the reality is it's like, you know, people, I will always encourage people to go to the word of God first, but that doesn't mean I'm also not going to accompany it with them, encouraging them to go to counseling or, or whatever it is, you know? And just like you said, in the same way people, you know, people will be like, well, you don't trust that God can heal you. I'm like, no, I do. But that doesn't mean he will. You don't trust that Jesus can heal you of your depression or of your broken. No, I do believe he can, but that does not mean he will. He hasn't yet. And if he does, incredible. If he doesn't, then it's kind of my burden to bear. It's the thorn in my side, but it also gives me a testimony and a way to relate to people in an incredible way. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, just like you wouldn't tell a little kid dying of cancer to not take chemotherapy because they don't have enough faith in Jesus. Don't tell someone who's taking insulin because they have diabetes or don't take, you know, whatever. Don't, you can't do that. Like it's just a slap in the face. And my buddy, Brad, 
Uh, he's one of the pastors here at my church at Harvest at our church. Yeah. And uh, he, he and his daughter both have diabetes and they have these little packs that are attached to their side. It, I think it's their side. Yeah. And it pumps, it pumps insulin into their body. No one would dare go up to Brad or his little sweet, adorable baby girl and go, if you guys just had enough faith, you know, you would take out that insulin. Pump yeah, and never, never. And yeah, Brad would go, no, dude, my daughter would die. I would die, you know? And so the reality is, is that yes, the word of God is the first place I will always go to. The power of Jesus, the love of Jesus as a pastor is the thing that I will always encourage people to go to first prayer, the word of God and worship. But that does not mean I'm also not going to accompany it with encouraging someone to go to counseling or to seek medical treatment and between them and God and their counselor and maybe a pastor, if they want to bring them in to decide whether medication is for them or not for them. I mean, it is between them and God. It really is. But don't we can't just throw out these blanket statements and say, well, medication is the only answer. Right. No, that's not the case, because I've right. actually met a lot of people who have said, dude, I have been miraculously healed of my depression. I go, dude, that is awesome. I've not been there, but I believe that it's possible. And if it did happen to you, that's sweet. Yeah. And then the other side, and then the other side would be, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't use any of that medication or we only use whatever it is. You know, we just can't use blanket statements and go to one extreme or the other. Yeah. And it's true because depression is an illness that's threefold. It's affects your mind, it affects your body, and it affects your spirit. So we have to approach yeah. it from a threefold healing process as well. We've got to do things that heal our mind and change how we think. We've got to do things that heal our spirit and realign ourselves with Jesus and our, our relationship with Him. And then we've got to do things that heal our body, from our diet to our sleeping habits yeah. um, and even medication. And And so I feel like if we could look at it as this holistic thing, we'd be so much better at approaching it and so much better at achieving healing. And, you know, like you said, you may not have healing, but you can at least have relief. You know, there, there is definitely hope for people struggling with depression to have relief through these different things. And I think it's really important. I remember once, Jared, I was talking to this pastor and, um, I was like on the tail end of my depression, postpartum depression, like serious Mm -hmm. hormonal craziness. And he didn't know what I was going through, but he says, you know, just randomly talking about the topic of depression, he said, true Christians don't struggle with depression. And I remember just like hearing those words, like a ton (laughs) of bricks just hit me, like what I'm going through this right now. And how dare he say that true Christians don't struggle with depression. And it's just that thought, that, that stigma that these conversations are are bringing light to and and changing the narrative, changing the conversation, and saying no, true Christians struggle with pretty much everything, but we trust Jesus with those things, and we believe that no matter what, He is good, He is faithful, and we can find relief, if not in this world, in the next world when we're with Him. Um, so, so I really think this conversation is important because we need to bring these lies to the surface. So. Last thing I want to bring up here, do you think you could offer us some encouragement um, from someone who's walked through depression and has seen moments of relief and has seen healing in your life? For anyone who's listening today who's battling depression or anxiety in their own life, what's some encouragement that you would leave them with? One of the biggest things I tell people is to not try to do life alone. Like we, we weren't created to do life alone. Like right in the beginning, Adam and Eve. We weren't created to do life alone. We are, yeah. we were called to have community with one another. So one of my biggest encouragement to people is just 
open up about what you're going through and find people to do life with. You're not called to do life by yourself. You're not called to bear the burdens of life by yourself. My friends, look at the Bible. Even Jesus had 12 disciples to do life with. Yeah, seriously. So, so if Jesus has 12 people to do life with, why do you think you can do things by yourself? Mind you, I know for some people they're going, oh, that's easy to say, but I'm embarrassed or I'm not a people person or I'm really introverted. And I'm not saying, uh, I'll tell you, I'm like, I, I'm sorry that it's hard for you to, to connect with people. It breaks my heart. It really does. Cause I, I'm not that kind of person, but what I want to encourage you to do is to really try and step out. And even if it's just one person that you really trust, or even if it's a person from church or a, a coworker, just open up about what you're dealing with. Share your heart, share your burdens, because the more you open up, the more light can come into your life. And if you don't have that light coming into your life, you're just going to be dark. And that's what depression wants. Depression wants you to be bored. It wants you to be by yourself. We always say that boredom is Satan's playground, right? Yeah. Or, or loneliness is Satan's theme park. You know, there's, you know, a little pastor saying yeah. like, when you are by yourself, good luck trying to get over anything. You're not supposed to be able to do it in your own strength. None of us can. So I just want to encourage people to, to know it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay to admit that you have flaws. It's okay to admit you're broken. You want to know why? Because every single stinking person in this world is broken and has flaws and makes mistakes. And as a pastor, I obviously, this is something that I hold to. We all are in need of the grace of Jesus and the hope of Jesus. But my biggest encouragement is to open up what you're going through, open up your brokenness, be transparent, be willing to talk to people and accept community into your life. And obviously the other thing is like, man, give it to God too. Like open your heart up to God, pray, read the word of God, worship fast, whatever you need to do. Just know that God's on your side and he loves you. He cares about you. You have a beautiful purpose in this world. You are not an accident. Um, so yeah, I could go on forever because mm. I'm a pastor and I like to talk, but <laughs> it's so true though. You got to fill your, you got to fill your mind with truth, you know? And when yeah. you're, when you're depressed, when you're in depressed mode, you're not thinking truth. You know, it's, it's so hard to, to lift a spoon to your mouth, much less to try to download truth. And sometimes when yeah. you can't manage that yourself, you need to surround yourself with people who can, people who can speak truth into your life when you're too weak or tired or, or lonely or miserable or empty to do it yourself, you know, and, and people who are going to yeah. tell you the truth, people who are going to point you to Jesus, people who are going to help you identify the lies of depression from, from what's actually happening in and around you. I think it's so important. And I think too, the more we have these conversations, the easier it is to open up because we all yep. realize, you know what? There's no shame in this. Just because I have depression doesn't mean I don't have faith. Doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. Doesn't mean I'm not a strong person. You know, just because you struggle doesn't mean you're not strong. In fact, I think those who struggle are the strongest because it's like, if I give you a 50 pound bag to carry on your shoulders uphill, that's your burden, but you're walking yeah. uphill. You are you are trekking that journey just because somebody else doesn't have that 50-pound bag on them doesn't mean that they're stronger. It just means that you're stronger because you're the one carrying the load and you're still walking through life with that load. Yeah. And I just think we need to see it as strength that we're taking these steps that we're opening up rather than see it as a weakness. Um, there's no shame here, guys. You know, uh, again, here here you are listening to two people, a counselor and a pastor, 
who've had their own journey with depression. Um, For me, it's depression and anxiety that I've battled off and on at different points in my life. And I'm a counselor, you know? So all that to say, this is a, a battle of mind, it's a battle of body, and it's a battle of spirit. But when you equip yourself, when you open yourself up to the right people, when you connect yourself to the right places, when you get yourself support and, and start shifting your perspective about what it means to heal, you can find relief and you can even find healing. Um, and, and I really believe that. Not only do I believe that, but I'm praying that over everybody listening, that God would just help you take that next step, whatever that next step means for you, whether it's connecting with a friend, whether it's calling the suicide crisis hotline, whether it's meeting with your pastor, whether it's finding yeah. someone for accountability, a mentor, a friend, telling your spouse, whatever that next step is for you. You know, going to a doctor to get a, that prescription filled that you've been too embarrassed to, to get filled. Whatever that means for you, that God would give you the strength to take that next step and move into healing. Jared, you're awesome. Thank you so much for your openness here, your openness on social media, your openness to all of your ministry about the fact that you're a real human being with real struggles and a real God that walks with you through those things. I really appreciate your voice. I really appreciate your ministry. And just thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. No, thank you so much for having me. And man, anyone that's is questioning life right now, or please go get help. Please talk to somebody. Please reach out to somebody. Just don't wait another minute. Man, your life is too precious. And and I do believe God has a beautiful plan for you. So don't wait any longer. I love that. You know, that that phrase, it says the enemy is attacking us, not because of our past, but because of where he sees us going in the future. Like he yeah. knows we've got something. He knows that we've got big things that God is going to use us. And he's trying to tear us down. And sometimes he uses these things, you know, mental illnesses or physical illnesses or, or what have you. Um, to try to keep make that burden so strong. But Jesus is the lifter of all burdens, and we're trusting Him in our life, and we're trusting Him in your life as well. Thanks again, Jared. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yep. Take care. You too. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today, guys. I hope this episode encouraged you and reminded you that you don't have to pretend anymore. Maybe you're listening today and you're feeling bad, but you've never even considered that you might be struggling with depression. Like I said before, depression is an illness of the mind, the body, and the spirit. So let me give you a look into some signs and symptoms to be on the lookout for. You may be struggling with depression if you find yourself feeling empty, sad, hopeless, or anxious more days than not. You may be struggling with depression if you're struggling to sleep or sleeping too much. I think for me, sleep was one of the main triggers, and I could always tell that I was moving into a season of depression or anxiety based on my sleep habits, so it really can affect you. You might be struggling with depression if you've lost your appetite, or maybe the opposite end is you can't control your appetite and you're eating so much more than you normally would. You may be struggling with depression if you've lost your energy or your excitement or your desire for life and maybe you just find yourself feeling apathetic and down and just having no motivation. You may be struggling with depression if you find that you've got feelings of worthlessness or unrelenting guilt. 
Uh, When I struggled with depression, I remember feeling guilty about everything I did and everything I didn't do and just plagued with thoughts of guilt. You may be struggling with depression if you're having a hard time concentrating or maybe you feel like your brain is always in a fog. You may be struggling with depression if you've got suicidal thoughts or wish you were dead or that you were never born. And you don't have to have all of these things to have depression, but multiple things on this list for a a significant time period of two weeks or more there's a very good likelihood that you could be diagnosed with depression. And here's the thing. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, or any type of mental illness, I think it's so important to remember that it's an illness that thrives in darkness. So the faster you bring it to the light with someone you can trust and someone who will support you, the sooner you can begin the process of healing. Remember, it attacks your mind and your body and your spirit, so you need to get plugged in with a professional counselor who can help you navigate those things in a way that works for you. If you're looking to go deeper with the content in this podcast, I invite you to take some time to connect with our guest, Jared Wilson, on Instagram or Facebook, and be sure to check out anthemofhope.org for more information about this incredible ministry. And if you're out there today and you're struggling in your relationships and needing some encouragement, whether you're single, dating, or married, pick up a copy of True Love Dates or Choosing Marriage and get serious about downloading information from a professional counselor that's going to help you get healthy and move you in the direction of healthy relationships. You can also find in-depth courses and tons of free relationship articles over at my blog, truelovedates.com. I'm actually going to link to a few of my favorite articles about depression in the, in the show notes of this episode. So be sure to check those out for additional resources and reading. I think they'll really encourage you. And guys, I love connecting with you out there in the world. So find me on Facebook or Instagram at True Love Dates and give me a shout out. If you have a love and relationships question on your mind, reach out to me at truelovedates.com slash love and relationships for a chance to have your question answered on the show. We're recording some new episodes and taking some new questions. So I'd love to have a chance to chat with you on the podcast. If you're enjoying this show, and want to see it go strong, subscribe and leave us your five-star rating and review because it makes all the difference for us in getting the word out. I'm Deborah Faleda, and it was so great being together again today. May God bless you, give you strength, give you courage to let down the facade and stop pretending as you move into healing. I can't wait to chat with you guys again next week. Take care. 